We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Almani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. I will today, let's open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I was telling the Guterres brothers, if I finish early, maybe I'll try to finish early. They can do five songs at the end or something. We'll see. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4. Let me pray one more time. Lord, I thank you again for your love and your grace in our life. I thank you, Father, for the power of your word. Your word is a living word. It's a working word. Uh, I believe it's a seed that can save and sanctify us, Lord. And so now I pray I would be invisible. I pray, Lord, that your voice and your message would penetrate our hearts. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Notice what you read here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and yourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Really an awesome section. You know, I was talking to one guy, and he was telling me, man, it'd be nice to cover more ground, you know, and to kind of get through the Bible but it's hard. It's hard because, as you can see, there's a lot here, and even in these uh, six verses. Um, but what we find, the backdrop here, again, is Paul is, uh, in one sense, defending the ministry. He's fighting for the Corinthians because someone's fighting against him, kind of uh, subverting his authority and his responsibility as an apostle there in Corinth. And so they were trying to do damage in the church by creating division. And so Paul here, he writes his beautiful, heartfelt letter in which, uh, in one sense, he addresses those issues, but at the same time, he teaches us things that are so amazing. You know, yesterday, uh, I was in my garage in the morning, I was studying, and uh, I, I got a phone call, and usually I won't answer if it's a number that I, I, I'm not, you know, familiar with. The individual, uh, thankfully, they left a message and they told me that their uncle was in the, in the here at Arcadia Methodist dying of AIDS. And so, uh, you know, it was right when I was studying this part right here where it said, it said, and those who are perishing. Those who are perishing. This individual, don't know if they know the Lord. Uh, apparently, they, they weren't walking with Jesus Christ and this is a phone call from someone who used to attend the church. They moved far, far away, but apparently their family is still in the area. So they asked if uh, I could go down and visit and pray and, you know, hopefully share and, and lead that person to, to the Lord. 
And, you know, as I was, you know, there in my garage, you know, I'm studying, getting ready for the message. You know, there's part of you that says, well, I got to study. You know, I have to give a message tomorrow. But there's a greater part of you, a much greater part of you that says, there's a person who's about to die and enter into eternity. And they're either going to go to heaven or hell. And so, you know, God got me up out of my chair. And God said, you got to go visit and share. And, you know, I did the best I could to lead that individual to the Lord. And only the Lord knows exactly what took place. I know there's hope. You guys, this is what life's all about. You know, I mean, it's not about us, you know, fighting against God. Because if you fight against God, you won't win. He says what's right. He says what's wrong. He tells us the truth about heaven or hell. And all those people out there who are dying, that's the only reason we're still here. You know, for those of you who are Christians, you know, sometimes wouldn't it be kind of cool is the moment you got saved, then you go to heaven? I mean, that would be kind of cool, man. In heaven, I'll be taller, no gray hair. I won't have to worry about whether or not pizza is fattening or cheeseburgers, all that kind of stuff. No deodorant, no dental floss. I mean, it's going to be amazing. No more tears or sorrow or death or sickness or pain. You know, but why are we still here? Why isn't it that, you know, the moment we get saved, you know, why can't we just go to heaven? And And the answer is simple. Primarily, it's because there's still ministry for us. There's still a work for us to do. God wants us to help people. And all of us have a part in the body of Christ. You know, you have to find out where Jesus wants you. And once you find out, then you serve him with reckless abandon. And that's where Paul was. You know, in looking at this, I was kind of saying, okay, this is the we verses, a lot of we verses. And then there's a those verse. Uh, Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, we'll talk about that. We have this ministry as we have received mercy. That's us, right? We do not lose heart. And he's talking about, you know, him, the, the, the leadership there. He's, I think in a general sense, he's talking to Christians as well. It's very applicable to, to us, right? The we. And then he brings it to beautiful practical application. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, Right? So he's talking about us as Christians, and we're going to get into that, what we need to do, what God has done for us, for we who are Christians. But then there in verse 3, it just jumps out at you. Um, you know, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. See, there's some people out there, they believe, well, there's no hell. You know, God wouldn't send anyone to hell. Well, God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose, they choose, everyone chooses where they want to go. And see, the Bible says that there are those who are perishing. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. See, you've got to believe in Christ, and so not just in your brain in your heart. And you have to make Him not only the Savior of your life, but the Lord of your life. See? And so in the end, He says right here, we, in verse 5, do not preach ourselves. And so, 
First of all, we have this ministry. We have this ministry there in verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry. Now, in the previous section, Paul was sharing on the blessings of the ministry. You know, the ministry of the Spirit, the, the new covenant established by the blood of Jesus Christ, that, that, that ministry that conforms us, that ministry that transforms us into the image of God. It's such an amazing, such a gracious and glorious ministry. Isn't it cool, you guys, that God's actually he saved us and He's making us more and more like Jesus? I mean, that's the ministry. It's just so beautiful. The ministry of the Spirit the ministry of Christ. Paul says, we have this ministry, and it's true of Paul, and it's actually true for all of God's people that we have this ministry. We're blessed with this ministry. We're blessed with it, and we're responsible with this ministry. Now, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but if you're a Christian, you're a minister. All of us are. We just have different places. It doesn't matter whether you have a certificate of ordination. You don't have to wear or bear a title. We're all ministers and we all can say somehow, some way, we all can say, since we have this ministry. See, you were saved. And you were saved to serve. And so we have this ministry that we receive, that we're blessed with, and we have this ministry that we're responsible for. And so, you know, maybe you're a person here today and you're, you're not really doing all that great, you know, you haven't dotted every I or crossed every T. And so you might be here and say, well, I don't deserve a ministry. I don't deserve to serve. And looking at some of you, I would say, amen. I mean, you, you know. <laughs> and I would say, neither do I, Right? So that's why Paul, he says there in verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy. Remember that. Remember who you are. We have this ministry. We have received mercy. That's who we are. Paul knew that he was a minister by God's mercy. He knew God had saved him and would use him by his mercy. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You see, Paul, prior to salvation, was bad. I mean, he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. In one sense, Paul, prior to salvation, was one of these guys that just, it makes our skin crawl when we think of the, the men in the Middle East who are killing Christians, the, the ISIS. That was Paul. He was bad. He was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor of the church. That was Paul. And, you know, for all of us here, if we were God and we were in control, we would say, you know what, there's no way that I could, you know, forgive him. But God not only forgave him and washed away all his sins, God cleansed him in such a way that he would use him for his glory. You know, Paul, prior to salvation, was a violent man. And, you know, again, some might ask, well, why would God take such a mess of a man and make him a minister and Paul answers that question in 1 Timothy 1.16. Listen, it says, However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first 
Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. You see, when you look at Paul and how he got saved, and even though he was so terrible of a person, it gives hope to the otherwise hopeless. It gives hope to those who feel that there's no way they could ever be saved or they could ever serve as a Christian because they had blown it big time in some way. If God could use Paul in all reality, then what we see as man, as bad as it as it gets, a murderer, a persecutor, a Christian church, a self-righteous one at that, then if God can save him to serve, then you know what? There's hope for us. You know, Paul had received God's mercy to be a minister, you guys. And that's us. Don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't let the enemy condemn you. Don't let him throw your sin in your face and say there's no hope for you. You can't move forward. Don't let him discourage you. Don't let him, you know, work in your heart in such a way that you find yourself. Sometimes I think even disciples of Christ are depressed because they're listening to the lies more than standing on the truth. You have to know who you are in Christ. If you have accepted him as the Lord and Savior of your life, not just playing church, not just going on Sundays, but it permeates all your days and all your heart, every part of who you are, then you are forgiven. You are free. God sees no sin in your life. You're covered with the righteousness of Jesus. And so we have this ministry and we have this mercy. That's what he says. Paul knew and he never forgot that he wasn't worthy and he, he wasn't able. Remember back in you know chapter 3, in verse 5, notice it says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And Paul readily admitted that he wasn't sufficient. He knew 100%, however, that he was called. But he also knew 100% that he wasn't worthy or able. And as a Christian in that calling, he acknowledges the fact that he was a minister by the immeasurable mercy of Almighty God. And so we have that ministry, Paul says, we have this mercy. And so look what he says again in verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. You know, I always tell people, the only way you can lose as a Christian, is if you give up. And Paul says, because we have this ministry, we received it, it's so amazing, the Spirit to transform lives, to transform marriages, to transform people, to transform prisoners, to transform drug addicts, to transform whatever sin is out there. There's no sin that could stand against the blood of Jesus. Because we have this ministry, because we have this mercy so amazing, even though life gets tough and it still gets tough, he said, we do not lose heart. We never give up. You know, earlier Paul was said, there was times where I wanted to die. I didn't feel like I could go on, you know, and that's the emotions when they kick in. Don't let your emotions lead you. See, you got to be careful with that. You know, there's those times where you feel that way, and you can't change the way you feel. 
But you don't walk by emotions, you walk by convictions. And the truth is that you are God's children. And so, you have this ministry, you have this mercy. Paul said, therefore, we do not lose heart. The Greek word means to be utterly spiritless and wearied and exhausted. Other translations say we do not become discouraged. We do not give up. Uh, one translation, the King James says we faint not. You know, and, and believe it or not, um, there's a lot of Christians that do give up in one way or another. I don't know if you guys knew this, but every single month in the United States of America, uh, 1,700 pastors leave the ministry. It's a lot. It's a lot of guys. Every month, because of sin, some of them, but most of them, just because they give in, they lose heart. You know, every year, uh, every year in America, 7,000 Christian churches close their doors because they have, we have in many cases, lost heart. You know, being a pastor, being a minister, it can be a difficult uh, calling. You know, uh, I was reading one article about this, and they're talking about how most pastors feel um, underappreciated, definitely underpaid, overwhelmed, overworked. Uh, they say that every month they have a great conflict with at least one parishioner in the congregation. Uh, they talk about the sacrifices of their family. They talk about the sacrifices in life. And so, you know, there's a lot going on, you know. And, you know, if you're going to enter the ministry for money, yeah, you're probably going to fizzle out. They say that 50% uh, um, of, of pastors won't last five years. And so a lot of guys give up. Uh, a lot of people give up, not just pastors, but ministers. They used to serve the Lord. They were, man, so faithful. And now they're, now they're, they're so distant I mean, people give up on marriages, people give up on their children, uh, people give up on life. You know, every 13 minutes, someone in America commits suicide. Every 13 minutes. Every year, 43,000 people in America commit suicide. They give up. If only they had known that we have this ministry. If only they would have known the, the great God who gives them so much mercy. Paul said, because of that, you know, we, we don't give up. You know, disciples are discouraged and dwindling. They're fading and they're fainting. But Paul wasn't one of those who gave up. You know, in one sense, Paul is saying we can't give up. We can't because of this ministry that we've received. It's such a heavy responsibility and such a beautiful blessing. And in this ministry, we have a responsibility to God and to each other. He says, we have this ministry. We have received mercy. We do not lose heart. And then in verse 2, he says, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul said, in, in one sense, we don't lose heart, and, and then he's saying, and, and we strive for holiness. 
You know, and I wonder if you've done that. You know, there's one sister, she's a dear sister, and she, she always comes up to me, and, I, and God uses her. And she always tells me straight out, she's not afraid. She says, I hope you're the same man at home that you are here. And she told me that, you know, a few months ago, I'm all, okay. And then, like, every week since then, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I appreciate that. And sometimes when I'm at home and my wife, you know, she starts push, pushing a few buttons or, or my kids. Not that it's her fault. Believe you me, it's my fault. I shouldn't have any buttons. But, uh, you know, I think of what she says. I hope you're the same man at home that you are here. See, we have to come to that place where we have renounced the hidden things of shame. There should be nothing in our life. There should be no skeletons in our closet. We shouldn't be a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We shouldn't have things lodged within our heart or our mind that don't belong. You know, sins that are secret. No, to renounce is to formally declare one's abandonment of or the forbiddance of, to reject something. And Paul had formally, wholeheartedly rejected the hidden things of shame. You know, Paul had no skeletons in his closet. He was holding on to nothing. He wasn't hiding anything of which he would be ashamed of. There was no sin that found a home in his heart. Undoubtedly, there were some of the charges against Paul. They were probably saying that this is the type of guy he is, and that's probably why he brings it up. And at the same time, it wouldn't be surprised if this was the conduct of some who were there in Corinth, the hidden things of shame. And in this case, there are those ministers out there who are handling the Word of God deceitfully, who are doing it with motives that are marred, with motives maybe even for money. And Paul is saying, this is not us. We're not like that. And it's a shame to hear ministers getting rich at the expense of the poor. It's a shame to hear so many ministers uh, falling into sexual sin. Billy Graham said three things will ruin a minister, and that is pride and women and money. Paul guarded his heart. He says, we have not lost heart, and we strive for holiness. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. You know, one of my favorite Proverbs, not in the Bible, but uh, Beatitude, I guess you could say, is blessed is the man who has nothing to hide. And we have to try to come to that place. You know, Paul was blessed and Paul was that man. See, we got to walk straight up and, and we have to talk straight up. That's what Paul says right here. We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Uh, the word deceitfully here means to dilute or adulterate. Paul didn't either. He didn't take away from the gospel and he didn't add to it. He didn't mix the message with human ingenuity or water it down to accommodate his audience. Paul preached an honest gospel. And that's what he's saying. Because there's a lot of guys out there, the temptation is, well, I'm going to you know, try to make it palatable or I want to try to make it to where I won't offend anybody. But, but if you do that, then you, you, you make it so weak that it won't save anybody. You know, the Lord has taught me, you know, because uh, I don't know how you guys are, but, you know, everybody has their own inclinations. You know, you, you, you care about people. You're not insensitive to people. You love people, but as a minister, you can't live or preach to please people. You have to please God. God. 
first. And there's a lot of messages out there that are watered down. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about hell. And people like that. And yet Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven. Because he does not want us to go there. Paul said, when I talk, you know, I don't water it down. and I don't add to it in any way. He didn't mix the message. He said, we speak the truth plainly. We speak the plain truth. We proclaim the truth openly, honestly, clearly, and candidly. He basically said, we tell the truth before God and all who are honest. He says, know this. We commend ourselves to every man's conscience. You see, they were true and they were telling the truth before God and every man who was open to the truth would then see this truth. And so it's kind of cool, huh? When you have somebody like that, man, you know, they, they want to share the word. And that's why I always, I always tell people, you know, for some of you here, maybe you're visiting, maybe you're here from out of town, maybe this isn't your home church, and that's cool. You know, you go wherever the Lord plants you, wherever the Lord wants you. But just make sure that your Bible is open when they're teaching you the word because you want the word of God not the word of man you know when you leave the door and you're out there you know you can't be saying oh that was a pretty fancy clever message that that guy gave the the primary thing is did he open the scriptures to me because this is God's word and that's why it's important that you guys bring your Bibles and you test every word that I say because it's not my word that will forgive you. It's not my word that will get you to heaven. It's God's word. And so right here, he just says, We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, speaking of their life, not handling the word of God deceitfully, speaking of his lips, but by manifestation of the truth. And what that means is just by making it straight out, plain and open, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You know, one thing you can say about Paul, you can say this about Paul, that he spoke the truth. And that's the best compliment you could ever give a preacher. That he lived it, and then he spoke it. Right? And so does that mean that everybody got saved? No, it doesn't, huh? Look at verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are, who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You see, you guys, as Christians, we have this ministry. Amen? We have this mercy. Amen? We have... This come to this place where we do not lose heart. Amen? I'll say it in Spanish next time. Amen? <laughs> we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Amen? That's us. But what about them? We read here in verse 3 that if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. You know, they were truly preaching the true gospel, the, the good news, that it's a free gift of freedom and forgiveness from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I'll tell you what, man, being a Christian is an awesome deal. You know, a lot of times you get these flyers in the mail or you might see something on TV about this new car or whatever, you know, but there's always a catch, huh? It's almost like, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, nothing's free unless 
It's the Lord. And when you talk about the gospel, it's such an awesome message. This is all you have to do. Admit you're a sinner. Turn from your sins. Be willing to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. You got to let go of your sin. You know, I was reminded, my pastor would tell me about how they would catch monkeys. And it's just a crazy thing, you know. They would take a coconut, they would drill a hole, and they would put some rice in the coconut. The, and then they would attach it to the ground, okay? And they would make the hole just big enough so that if the monkey could kind of, you know, get his hand in there, he would put his hand in the coconut to grab the rice. But then he couldn't pull his hand out because he was holding on to the rice. And so in order for that monkey to get free, all he had to do was let go of the rice. But, but they wouldn't. And they died. And that's the way it is with the Lord. You know, if we're living in sin and we don't want to let go, then you will die. I know it's a challenge sometimes. You know, it might be crystal meth or something that you've been struggling with and, and you know, you can't stop. All you got to do is just be willing to. Say, Lord, I can't do this on my own strength. Everything about me wants to do this, Lord. Help me. You got to come to the Lord like that. You know, Paul was sharing that so simple. And so you would figure that people would get saved, but not everybody was getting saved. Why? Paul explains here that a veil lies over their heart. You know, we saw that back in chapter 3, verse 15 of the Jews. Now we see it really for everyone. There's a veil over their eyes. Satan has blinded them and they don't even realize. They're dead in their sins, sliding toward the second death. And they're even blinded to the fact that they're perishing unless the Lord opens their eyes. You see, According to the scriptures, we have three enemies. Uh, the first is me, my fallen nature. The second is the sway away from God found in the fallen world system that we live in. And the third is Satan and his fallen angels known as the devil and his demons who are in a vicious fight against the light of the Lord. And so right here, he, he talks about Satan, the God of this age, who has blinded their eyes, Right? And right here we see that in a, in a, in a, it's where Satan, the god of this age, there's a significant sense in which he rules this world. Okay, you guys? Not in an ultimate sense. Because the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Psalm 24 verse 1. And we know there's only one true God who sits on his throne. But what we find is that Satan has an element of authority. He has a title deed to the earth. Uh, Jesus didn't dispute it when Satan came and presented this offer to him. The devil came to Jesus and said, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world and their authority because it's been given to me. All you have to do is fall down and worship. Of course, Jesus in Luke 4 verses 5 and 6 said absolutely not. But we do know that he has that, that element of control. We know in John chapter 14 verse 30 and 12, 31 and 16, 11, Jesus called him the ruler of this world. And then over in 1 John 5.19, the Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And so, in one sense, Satan is the god of this world. In that sense, as a fallen angel, Satan has risen to the top. And it's kind of like this, you guys. In, in one sense, he's been elected by us sinners, unfortunately, when Adam fell. 
And so in that, uh, Satan has blinded the eyes of the world. Satan has done his damage. You guys remember tempting Eve in the garden where she forfeited the title deed to the earth. Adam falling right behind her, relinquishing his right to rule. Adam was the one really where sin entered. And what the enemy does is he just then lies. And there's a lot of lies, you guys, but he especially lies about the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially that one. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world, huh? That's why, right? And what we find is that, you know, we need that light in order to see. We need that light Otherwise, uh, we will be blind. And I, I was looking up some science things about light. But I think you guys, you don't need me to explain that, huh? That if there's no light, you, you won't be able to see, right? There's, there's, you can't see without light. Now, how many of you here, I wonder, before you were a Christian, like people would tell you spiritual things and it just didn't make sense? It didn't add up. I mean, you read your Bible and you're like, it was nothing, right? Nothing. Because you were blind, right? But then we talked about this earlier. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We read that in chapter 3, verse 16 of this book. And that's, that's what we got to do. We got to turn to the Lord. You know, God doesn't want us to perish, according to John three sixteen, which what we see highlights the last portion of this passage as well. See, that's why, you guys, we need to come to Jesus, to stay with Jesus, and to do our best to preach Jesus and Him alone. Look at verse 5. It says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the light who commanded, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, maybe there were some that were saying Paul preaches himself, and Paul said, No way. There's no power in that, right? I mean, there are those who, unfortunately, their motives are marred and there's a self-interest in the ministry even. They want to make a name uh, for themselves. You know, I, and I'll share something with you guys, and this is a personal conviction, and I hope you never, ever look down on anyone else. But I remember the day when I decided to take my name out of the bulletin. You know, I'm like, well, why do they have to know my name? I mean, I am not more special than anyone else in the church. I mean, that guy over there, he's not even signed up for ministry, but he's just as much a significant part of this church as anyone else. The only, the only name that we have to know is the name of Jesus. And some people don't know my name. And I thought about introducing myself today, and I said, no way. <laughs> just keep calling me bro. Some people call me pastor. You don't even have to call me pastor. Some people have that in their heart, and that's fine. I do the same to my pastor. But I, I'll tell you this. You don't have to know my name. I need to be invisible. You guys, we got to know in the name of Christ. And, 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 and I like the way that he starts it off like that, for we do not preach ourselves. 
you have to guard yourself against that because there's a temptation to do just that. We're just your bondservants. That's all we are for Jesus' sake. Jesus is the one, you guys, who died for you on the cross. Jesus is the one. In verse 6, it says, It's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Imagine that. You know, in the book of Genesis, in chapter uh, 1, it actually talks in verse 2 about how the earth was without form and void. And and there's actually like an element there where perhaps maybe that was in verse 2. A lot of people believe that's where Satan fell. Because we don't have the fall of Satan in the book of Genesis. A lot of people believe that in verse 2 is when Satan fell. And there there was this, you know, without form and void and, and weirdness. But then... The very next verse it says, And then God said, Let there be light. And He just spoke it into existence by the power of His Word. Imagine that. He spoke light into existence from nothing. The Hebrew word bara means nothing. It's that God who has shown in our hearts. That's what He says right here. It is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's that God who has shown in your hearts to reveal Jesus to you. And that's why Paul is saying, and that's why we preach him. You know, I want to encourage you guys as you go through life, you know, never give up. Never give up. I know there's, you know, temptation and you want to be a a splitter and you want to be a quitter and you want to stop that ministry, whatever it might be, and you want to go away and you want to hide and you want to make life comfortable. You know, I want a Monday through Friday, eight to five type of job. Man, be careful. Don't ever, don't ever give up. Always look up. Always look up to the Lord. Man, He's the one who died for you. He's the one that, that lives in you. Always look up. And then I will say this too. Always speak up. And when you speak, just speak Jesus. Point Him to Jesus. You know, uh, again, yesterday, uh, uh, as I was in my garage, my wife reminded me we were supposed to go do a hospital visit. So we went to go visit Grandpa George. And, and it's kind of funny because afterwards I was going to come here. And then um, when we were leaving, uh, she made a U-turn. And I thought, well, she probably forgot her mascara or something. And so um, I followed her back. Now I'm just joking. She pulled up next to me. She said, I want to say hi to, to the neighbor because our neighbor sold her house. And we didn't know if we would ever see her again. And so, part of me was thinking, why are you changing the plans, you know? And this is inconvenient. And, you know, I got so many things to do, and I still got to study and, you know, do this hospital visit and everything. But thank God for my wife. Thank God for that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Because we turned around, we came back, pulled over, and she was there, you know, just all alone. And we saw what happened in her life. We saw how she came in married. We heard the fights. 
then the divorce. So many things. And you know, we would invite her to church, little things, but never really having that, that conversation. And so, thank God, you know, sensitivity of the, to the Holy Spirit that my wife had. You know, she, uh, she said, let's go. And we, we went up and we started talking to her. And, and uh, you know, just about a lot of things. My wife talked about how when she was little, she used to play in that house. And, and just different things. But eventually I knew. I knew. You know, I might not never see her again. We got to talk about the Lord. I asked her, can I pray with you? And then, boom, that opened the door. You know, got to pray with her and gave her our numbers. We exchanged. And, and I left there feeling like, Lord, that's what we're supposed to be doing, huh? You know, I pray, you guys, that we would take this to heart, that God would stir us up in, in a way that we would truly speak up, grow up, look up, never, never, ever give up. Promise? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.